0: Greetings to everyone, especially to our visitors. I want to extend a warm welcome to you. It's good to see new faces here. So I hope you can be blessed as you're with us this morning. Thank you for that scripture, Marvin. It's good to be encouraged to praise the Lord. It's a refreshing aspect of our Christian privilege. So, um, just starting in here, I don't know if you remember, but the last time I was up here probably a month or so ago, um, I preached on fear not and the encouragement in the scripture to, um, to put away fear and to not fear. And I felt led this week to view the other side of the coin as it were the other side of fear not. And uh, I'm going to read what the scripture that I read this week. I have a uh, reading through the Bible in a year program. And I'd read this week in Leviticus. So I'm going to read there just a few verses. Kind of what brought me to this subject. Leviticus 10, 1 through 5. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went an out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they, dev- and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, And before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elizaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Let's take a moment of prayer before we go into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, how it instructs us, encourages us, uh, exhorts us, and as we just heard, it exhorts us to praise you, and Lord, help me not to forget that, but to lift up a praise to you, and to worship you with cheerfulness. Lord, so bless this word, and help me to freely share it, and uh, please give me clarity of mind, and Help those that listen to receive it and to uh, be able to um, understand it, Lord. So bless us. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so the the title that came out of this reading was a God to be feared. As I just read that, I was like, "That's what just came to mind." A God to be feared. You see the happening here. Uh, Nadab and Abihu um, religious men sons of uh, Aaron the priest and uh, possibly they thought they were doing the will of the Lord and just got caught up in excitement I'm not sure what all happened here Um, but anyway definitely a God to be feared so we'll be looking at that that's kind of my Title:
1: <clears throat>
0: A God to be feared, and as I as I looked into this, and something that's you know been something I've noticed over years in my Christian walk is several things I've seen in my own life and are about me that have caused concern, and it caused me to ask questions. And there's there's four different points here, and they kind of all go together. Um seems that in my life there's a lack of alarm and earnestness over sin and what I witness in others instead almost a casual, comfortable regard that it is normal and i you know i i'm concerned about it at least in my own life um, you know what we would cause immorality um sin is held in our the uh the world we live in as normal and if we we feast on that media we take in that media that's all around us we soon become callous to it and also think it's normal and if it's and if we don't deal with sin in our own life with all earnestness we soon begin to think it's a normal thing so that being one thing uh, the other thing is, we probably all know people that were raised in godly homes and were taught to practice the scriptures quite well, and may have actually made a beginning in their faith, turn their back on the faith and God, and throw away all principles of godliness, and follow after the lust of the flesh and the pleasure of this world. And uh, I would, I would assume, most of us could name off a handful of people that had done that very thing, and. I have some that are in, in our relatives that have done this very thing. And, you know, people I would have went to church with that would have um, made a confession of of faith and repentance and uh, earnestly followed after the Lord now are at a place where um, they even deny that God exists. So it's just, it's been a concern to me. And I'm sure to you also. Number three, we can also witness today what is called Christian worship music, Christian movies, and many other things that are labeled as Christian that seem to have departed from the principles of godly reverence and sobriety, but rather embrace the principles of the flesh and of this world. Number four, We all probably know of individuals or whole churches that have started well in a matter of years or into the second generation that while they have kept faith, they have drifted away from their beginning so far that they are not recognizable in comparison to where they had been. So um, that, along with the scripture started off with, is kind of where my message comes from, a God to be feared, and do we fear this God? God. <clears throat> so I have to admit, the uh, message I shared with you before of fear not was easier to preach than this one. Uh, I just feel the whole way through preparing for this here, it just seems a little bit more clumsy. And uh, it kind of feels that way too, so bear with me. It's not the easiest one. And <clears throat> So as I observe these four things I just shared... I find myself asking, where are we going wrong and what are we missing? What What is the missing link that we keep seeing this repeating itself throughout history? The falling away of the faith and the watering down of Christianity or of the faith. While I know that we may offend others away from the faith, we can offend these little ones as Jesus said Jesus also said that the love of many will wax cold and he also said when I come will I find faith on the earth while there are offenses the cooling of the love of Christ and of the church and the diminishing of faith I would like to suggest that possibly a big part of what we have left off is the fear of God and uh, you may correct me but uh, it just seems as I look at this that maybe this is the one missing link and maybe it's not, I can't boil it down to one. But possibly, possibly where we go off is that we put away the fear of God and regard him lightly. Therefore, we can allow sin and, and all this to come on in our life and about us. Is it possible that we are merely keeping a religion, but have left off on the fear of God and a keeping of His commandments? That's a real danger. Um, you know, we start off and we know there's these principles we've got to keep. And as, as time goes on, we lose the fear of God, we continue keeping those principles, we form it into a religion, and there's no longer the fear of God that... Um, Presses us to keep his commandments and keep his word. So, I want to read a few scriptures that relate to this. Um, Now, I don't know if this is coincidence. Um, A lot of this is the Old Testament. So, if I'm preaching Old Testament principles, please correct me. Uh, I hope it's brighter and more cheerful in the new. Um, But I think it does cross over. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy. Now, as you know, this is during the giving of the law, so it is connected with that. Deuteronomy 6 is where I'm going. 1 and 2. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments with the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I commend thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. So here you have a, a passing on to your posterity. And it starts on with, first, a fear of the Lord and a keeping of His commandments, that, you may, that your life may be prolonged and your days may be long and that thy days may be prolonged. So there it starts off with a fear of the Lord and a keeping of His commandments. On to Deuteronomy eight verse six. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. There again, it goes together. Fearing of the Lord and a keeping his commandments. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 13.4 Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. So this is a repeated theme here, anyway, um, of fearing the Lord and keeping His commandments <clears throat> And there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 12:13. It says, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of men. Now there pretty much sums it up if you need a summarizing verse. Uh, the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's really concentrated, boiled down to a very minimal amount. Now, in my conversion, the fear of God was the largest factor that brought me to repentance. I don't know how it was in your life, but... um, My thought is where there is no fear of God, there is no need of repentance realized. We can reform, but we will not repent unless we fear God. And that's that's somewhat of my testimony. I was actually beginning somewhat of a reformation in my life without repentance. There was some repentance of my own, um, but there was not a true repentance until the fear of God um, gripped a hold of me and I knew I stood accountable before God and I feared Him. And that's when I fled for repentance, for forgiveness. So there is no, where there is no fear of God, there is no need of repentance realized. If we do not fear God, we probably will not be keeping His commandments either. Okay, I'm going to go into Genesis 42. It's a little story here of a man that feared God and acted on it. 16 through 20. Okay, so this is Joseph. He was now the second in power in Egypt, and his brothers had come to pay him a visit, just as a brief backdrop. And he says unto them, "'Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies.'" And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. So here... Joseph had quite a bit of power, but yet he the fear of God controlled what he did. Um, He knew it was not God's pleasure to starve people, and he had the food within his control, and he said, I fear God, so do this. He feared the judgment of God on his life if he did ill to his brothers. 1 Peter two seventeen. This is in her memory verse. Love the honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. So it is in the New Testament too, I guess. And simple here it says honor the or fear God. So fear God is also a New Testament principle. <clears throat> I wonder if we sometimes focus too much on the goodness, mercy, and forgiveness of God to the neglect of the fear of God. In Romans 11.22, it says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. So there's, there's two sides to God. I mean, it's easier to focus on the goodness of God, and I'd rather be doing that this morning. Um, but it says, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. You know, we have as parents know that if you tried to train your children with only goodness, it probably wouldn't turn out real well. You know, if, if there's not some severity dealt to them, um, they won't... They won't turn out very well, at least in my little experience. I didn't. My children haven't completed their adult life yet, but um, so much as we might not like it, I believe the severity side of God also needs to be part of our um, portraying who God is—not just the goodness. It says, "Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God." <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to read some in Hebrews 12 verse we'll start at 25 Through twenty nine. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for they escape not who refused him that spake on earth. Much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So we see there uh, where it started out with in Leviticus with Nadab and Abihu, Our God is a consuming fire. The fire God came out and I don't know if it consumed them, but it it killed them. And uh, I don't think that God has totally changed. You know, I think we don't see that, but I still think it is the same God. Another account in Acts 5. We all know this quite well, I believe. 1 through 11. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy, privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto man, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much? And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. I think we would be trembling too if that happened here. <clears throat> Surely our God is a consuming fire. And back in Acts twelve, there's another instance, twelve twenty-one through twenty-four. And upon a set day, Herod, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. So there you have these things. This was happening in the the New Testament, likewise. Um, I'm sure... The, the church had some fear of God in their midst. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read in Psalm 73. This doesn't actually even have the word fear in it, I don't think. Or the fear of God, but I think it's quite evident without the word even being there that there's a lack of fear here. <clears throat> okay, Psalm 73, 1-20. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, Step, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression, they speak loftily. I believe we can all agree that they do not have the fear of God in their life. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? They're challenging God. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against a generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one waketh. So, O Lord, when Thou awaketh, Thou shalt despise their image. So what happens to those that that do not have the fear of God? I think we've seen it right here. Um, Their feet are in slippery places. Judgment comes on them in a moment. It's a fearful place to be. These are arrogant, willing to speak against God. They have not the fear of God. And their judgment comes quickly. There's many more examples. Um, I think we could spend all morning and into the afternoon reading through the Scripture of examples where God worked wonders and uh, brought the fear of God in that place. But I'm not going to go into all that. I think you know many of the accounts. I believe if these things happened before our eyes, it would produce more of an earnestness in dealing with sin and a carefulness about how we lived our life. I think if we've seen these things happening, it might... um, we would sit up and listen so to speak you know we would really take sin seriously in our life if we seen that God dealt so severely with sin it seems that in comparison to the happenings we read of in the bible that today God is silent about sin and it can produce a casual approach in regards to sin in our life and I know God's not silent We know God is a judge and sin will be judged in the end, but how many of you have seen someone fall over because they're struck dead by sin? Um, I don't know that any has. It would be interesting to hear, but um, we haven't seen it, and I don't know why, but I think if we've seen it, it would change the way we lived, possibly. Maybe not. Psalm 50, uh, 19 through 22, says, Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slandereth thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. This is God speaking. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set thee in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. I thought the, the middle of this here, I thought was quite interesting. These things hast thou done, God speaking to these people, and I kept silence. And because God was silent, they said, well, God's just like us. You know, basically, his silence approves of what we're doing, so we can continue to do it. And uh, But God says, no, I will reprove thee. And I, I think that's a danger for us. We say, God's silent, so, you know, nothing happens, and we don't need to change. No, but God says, I will reprove thee. Let's not forget that our God is alive and a God to be feared. Okay, Ecclesiastes eight, eleven, and 13. It says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of man is fully set in them to do evil. It's kind of along the same line. Uh, If it's not dealt with, our heart is set to just continue doing what we've been doing. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, Yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. <clears throat> so, I I like to leave words encouragement. Uh, it does say here that Yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. So, I I don't like to leave you with heaviness. Um, So, if you fear God, be encouraged. One last reading here before I'm done. In Psalm 128. 1 through 6 Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways for thou shalt eat the labour of thine hands happy shalt thou be and it shall be well with thee thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house thy children like olive plants round about thy table behold that thus shall be the man that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. So that's along with the uh, sober warnings and words here. I want to leave you with an encouragement that blessed is the man, blessed is the woman that feareth the Lord. You will be rewarded.